Let's turn in God's Word now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Looking at the last two verses, verses 28 and 29. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. Before we hear God's Word, let's pray and ask for His help. Our Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Again, we're thankful that You have not removed it from us as You did uh, from Judah of long ago and Israel. Uh, Father, You have given us Your Word. May we not uh, squander it and uh, make it of no use to our, our hearts and our lives. That we would hear Your Word, seek to understand it. Pray that You would grant us understanding by Your, your Spirit and wisdom. So that you would teach us your ways, just as we just sang. Instructing us in the ways of salvation. As well, Father, we ask that your name would be praised. And so give us ears to hear. Father, we pray that you would speak through your servant. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon him and upon all of us as we hear your word. And that your name would be exalted. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. These are God's words. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Those are God's words. So here, the sermon that Jesus has preached is finished. The passage we're considering this morning is now the reaction of the people to His preaching. To the preaching of the King, of His glorious kingdom, Jesus Christ, who is also a prophet. We know He's a prophet. He's not a false prophet, but He's a true prophet, of course, because even as our catechism says, Christ executed the office of a prophet and revealing to us by His Word and Spirit the will of God for our salvation. And that's what He's taught. And that's what He's preached in chapters 5 through 7. And so some now would say, uh, coming to these verses here before us, some would say this is a collection of Jesus' sayings through His ministry over those three years that He ministered. And that, of course, is false. So if you hear that, that is false. Uh, this was a sermon he preached. And we know because uh, what it says here that it has concluded. This wasn't a collection of those things Jesus had said over different occasions, over years. This was, there was a start and an end to what he said. It says here, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings. When He stopped speaking, friends. This is a single, continuous discourse, preaching, a sermon, delivered at a certain time and place. And we know that because of chapter 5, verse 1. 
And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and these are all the sayings he said in chapters 5 through 7, there on the mountain, on that day that he set there. And so here is the, in our passages, the results of what he preached on that day. Our passage, again, is a response of the people that heard him that day with accurate and a true summary of the reason for their response. The first point this morning is the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ. This is where we'll spend the majority of our time to grow in understanding the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the King of the nations and the head of the church. Verse 28, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. The people were astonished at His doctrine. Children, what is doctrine? What is doctrine? We hear sometimes people today speak about doctrine outside of the church. And even in criticizing Christians. Doctrine, children, is the teaching of God's Word. Jesus' teaching. They were astonished at the teaching of Jesus. They heard Jesus speak and they stood in awe. They were amazed at what they had heard because uh, He spoke with power. We know that. Luke 4. It says, And they were astonished at His doctrine, for His Word was with power. And so here, friends, we're learning about the doctrine of preaching generally. Jesus is teaching us about preaching as well. Jesus preached what? The Word. The breathed out Word of God. He preached it with power. It was full of majesty. For it was of Jehovah, not of mere man. Consider some other similar passages describing people's responses to Jesus' preaching and teaching. Mark chapter 6, When the Sabbath day was come, He began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing Him were astonished, same word as in our passage, were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto Him, that even such mighty works are wrought by His hands? Matthew 13, When He was come into His own country, He taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Matthew 19, When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, same word, saying, Who then can be saved? Matthew 22, And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. And Acts 13, And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine 
of the Lord. So friends, upon hearing Jesus speak, the people were filled with wonder. They stopped, they were stopped in their tracks, you know, metaphorically, they were stopped in their tracks, wondering, what did we just hear? This is totally different than what we've ever heard. We've never heard anything like this before. They were completely and utterly astonished. Notice what they were astonished at. They were astonished at the, not at the appearance of Jesus. Not at His appearance. It wasn't His clothes. It wasn't His hair. Uh, how He kept Himself. To Jesus' listeners, His appearance was that of any normal Jewish man. You never read anything in Scripture or in history of His appearance before His suffering. That is, of any consequence to the people of how they listened to Him and heard Him. It wasn't His accent. He didn't have that, for us, He didn't have that pleasing, nice Scottish preaching accent that we love to hear. No, He was in His homeland to His Hearers, it wasn't an accent at all that caused people to be astonished. For to them, he had no accent. He was one of them. Jesus didn't have light displays and smoke machines and dimming of lights to change the mood to make people more receptive to his preaching, to the message. There was no mood lighting to draw them in. He was up on a mountain in the middle of the day and they came to hear Him speak. And what they heard, what they heard, the words they heard, astonished them. Not the surrounding landscape. So friends, it is what He said that astonished them. It was His doctrine. It was His teaching. What did He speak that so astonished them? It was something that they were not accustomed to, that they were not used to hearing. The truth! They were hearing the truth! John 14, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. John 18, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. If we go through this sermon, he just preached. What did he preach? He preached matters of great significance. He Life, right? Death, eternity. As well, he was to the point. He was right in their face, right? Uh, metaphorically again, right in their face. He didn't hold anything back. He confronted his ears directly with the truth. Directly with how their lives matched up to the truth. He didn't make things cloudy or overly complicated. He was simple. Black and white to the point, as we've learned. But more than that, he spoke as one who cared. And 
loved his hearers. One who pointed his ears to the Father and his love. We heard that in this sermon as well, Matthew 5. But what else? The passage before us tells us the ultimate thing, verse 29. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Having authority. First part of that, verse 29. Spoke speaking as one who have, had authority. Some examples of that. Matthew 5. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot and one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. A few verses later. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Matthew 6, multiple times confronting the hypocrites, if you remember, that stood or sat right in front of him there on the mountain, and he said, Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. They have their reward. How was he able to preach with such authority? John 8, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of Him. He spoke with authority because He was given authority to speak. He was sent. He was sent by the Father. But more than that, He spoke only those things to the world which were of the Father. He spoke the Word of God. He spoke the truth. The law, the prophets, the Psalms. He spoke that Word to His hearers which is not temporal but and fleeting and deathly, but eternal and living and true. Again, Deuteronomy 18. A prophecy about Jesus Christ, which why we know He is a prophet. It says there, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And he spoke directly to those who heard the truth of God's Word. The Word which is what? That Word which is described as what? Hebrews 4. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. How? By the Word, even going to soul and spirit. Even going to the physical, joints and marrow. And it's even a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, which nothing else in this whole world can do. That's who preached and what he preached. And that's why the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority. Why? Because he had authority, right? He had authority as the God-man. He spoke directly the will of God to the people. Look at verse 12. Therefore... Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law 
and the prophets. He's preaching the Word. The Word of God. As we have learned going through the Sermon on the Mount here, Jesus is continuously expounding upon what has already been revealed in the Old Testament. Luke 4, He spoke true words, but gracious words same at the same time. It says there, And all bear Him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of His mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And then those preachers who came after Christ following Him, like the Apostle Paul, how preachers are to preach today the same. 1 Corinthians 2. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And what does the Holy Ghost teach? The Holy Spirit teaches the Word. It was the officers that came to the chief priests and uh, the Pharisees in John 7, and they said to the chief priests and the Pharisees, Never man spake like this man. Never has any other man ever spoken like Jesus. You want to see what kind of authority he had. On the night in which he was betrayed, a band of men with Judas Iscariot came to betray Jesus. And listen to how those men first responded to Jesus speaking to them when they first came upon Him. John 18. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon Him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, this is all He said, I am He. And Judas also which betrayed Him stood with them. As soon then as He said unto them, I am He, they went backward and fell to the ground. That's the authority of Jesus Christ when He speaks. It's that same authority that He spoke in creation. Let there be light. And there was light. That's the authority of Jesus Christ when He speaks. They were awestruck. They did not fall forward, humbling themselves, but they fell backwards, yielding to His authority because they could do no other. And they did not take Him up until He called them again to come and do their duty. Right? They were backwards, fell on the ground. He had to call them back to get back up and to take Him. For our sakes. And consider as we have Jesus in the last passage, as we heard, sitting on the judgment seat, having been granted all authority from the Father, the last day of judgment, friends, will be the most fearful and terrible. Because of his words, there will uh, there, there were most they, they were most fearful that they went backward and fell to the ground when they uh, when they were the mob of men coming for him. They were the mob; they had the power, right? But they fell backwards. 
And think of that when you come to the judgment, the last, and you consider the last day of judgment. And He shall come in all His glory and in majesty of the clouds accompanied with the myriads of angels. And the sights will be terrible. The men will call mountains to fall down upon them. And the rocks call rocks to grind them to pieces. The authority, friends, was in Himself. He did not merely teach the people the Old Testament and expound upon the law of God, but He is, as we learn, He is the lawgiver and the judge. He taught them as one having authority, and then it says, not as the scribes. The scribes are the successors of Ezra. Ezra chapter 7 This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And scribes had the charge in that day and all times to write down the law of God, to copy it and to expound it, that is to teach the people the law of God. They were to be the teachers of the day. They might say they were the seminary professors of the day. Uh, But what were they doing? In reality, they were... Teaching, but their teachings were corrupt. Matthew 5, when the Lord Jesus is expounding on the commandments, He's referring to the faulty doctrines of the scribes. That they're teaching these false things about the third commandment, and the sixth commandment, and the seventh commandment. On the sixth commandment, Jesus said to them in chapter 5, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That's what the scribes were teaching. But they weren't teaching the full, expounded law of God, as we learned. And so Jesus said, But I say unto you, and He goes on about that commandment. Today, friends, when we have, we have legalistic and antinomian, against the law, antinomian church members who have been taught by legalistic and antinomian preachers and pastors. They add to and take away from God's Word. That's what we were just warned about in Proverbs chapter 30. They add to God's Word legalism and they take away from God's Word antinomian or against the law. They add as authoritative to the teachings of the Lord by His Word, man's teachings, man's traditions. And so when they hear Jesus speak, that's what the scribes were doing, when they hear Jesus speak, the people were not used to it at all. They had never heard anyone speak with such authority. They were used to the doctrine and teachings of the scribes. The scribes who often wasted their time in trivialities. Right, Matthew 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. And so they spend their time teaching on all these minute matters. Small things, when the important things are not taught about at all. They teach about this unwise thing over here and that over there, but they don't preach and teach the gospel. 
They don't teach about the character of Jehovah. They don't teach about His judgments and His law and faith. The Jewish writing, the Talmud, which is a central Jewish text, that, that ought to tell you all you need to know. That they, did, they are not in God's Word teaching from it, but the Talmud... That's what they were teaching from. That shows a lack of certain, clear, uh, to-the-point preaching and teaching of the scribes. That the scribes were more unclear. They clouded things up with their many different man-made traditions and words. And they rambled on and on. If you, just, if you would read the Talmud, I'm not suggesting you do that, but that's what they do. And where the Lord Jesus preached with authority, with love and eternal concern for His hearers, the scribes were fully lacking love. Matthew 23. Speaking of the scribes, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They had no love. And where Jesus spoke directly from His Father as the God-man, from the final, the original source, we could say, the scribes were constantly borrowing from fallible sources. One scribe quoting another scribe, all who are quoting from a man-made writings and traditions. And so they're drawing water, as we learn in Jeremiah, they were drawing water from broken cisterns. Whereas Jesus was drawing from Himself as the fountain of living waters. Right, Jeremiah 2, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken Me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed, out, hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. These people never heard one speak with such authority. But so too, because these scribes peddle false teaching by adding their boring man-made traditions, filling all of those, all their teachings of people were presented with something else. Astonishing. True doctrine. True, they were presented with something totally different. True doctrine. From God's Word. They stood amazed at true doctrine. And this is why there was a reformation. This is why there was a great awakening as the Holy Spirit was poured forth because there was true preaching of true doctrine. And so authoritative and amazing was the doctrine that the truth itself of God's Word was its own argument and demonstration. Notice He doesn't say, I think this is true. I think this is true. We never see Jesus say that. He says, this is true. Because it is. Because it's His Word. He spoke the Word of God with authority, knowing the truth. When you go to Acts 2, or you go to any of the sermons by the apostles, they don't say, well, I think this is the way it is, and I, 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 it, it perhaps could be this, or it could be that, or it could be that. That's not preaching. And we hear that all the time today. We hear with the apostles... This is what the Scriptures say, and this is what it means. And this is what you must do now. Preaching is according to true doctrine. But the scribes, no different really than the world's teachings, out there in the world, the early 2000s, you had all the self-help teachings, 
Now, still pluralism and agnosticism and atheism that leads thought. What is true of these people? They want to debate men. They want to talk about philosophers. Darwin, Stephen Hawking, Gandhi, Confucius, Muhammad. All men. All fallible. All sinners. All traditions and nothing more, even if, if, they, if they existed in the first place. In the church, the vast majority of the church, friends, is sadly so similar to the scribes. But what is needed today is preaching of the truth. Clear, discriminatory, that is, black and white, right and wrong, according to God's Word, preaching. Preaching not from, but preaching the Word of God. Not preaching from it, but preaching it. Because it is a living and active, it is the one that is the word that pierces even the dividing or of asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrows, the discern of thoughts and intents of the heart. There is nothing else in all the world that can be described as that. Nothing. And all those fallible men that people look to, the things of this world uh, that, that people look to all eventually fall and are destroyed, are found to be nothing. When they're tested, they're found to be really of no use and certainly no authority. Put it to the test. When tested, eventually they will disappoint you, fail you, but God's Word lasts forever, stands forever. And that's why when Jesus preached, the people were astonished at the doctrine, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What do people, what do people need today? They need the authority of Jesus Christ in their ears through clear preaching and teaching of His Word to all that would hear it. And by God's grace, sending His Spirit forth, many will be saved. Why? For the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to all who hear. And so what do people need to hear today? They need to hear the truth of God's Word. The second point this morning, briefly, the inadequate response to Christ. The inadequate response to Christ. The sermon is over. What has come about because of it? Because of Christ preaching. Friends, never was there a greater preacher who had preached a greater sermon than this one. And how many repented of their sins and believed? How many? We do not hear of any. King Jesus Christ, the prophet prophesied from Deuteronomy 18, this is Him, and none repented of their sins and believed. None who are said to have obeyed even. Oh, they were amazed. They were astonished. They stood in awe. Chapter 8, verse 1. They followed Him in great multitudes because of His preaching. Because also, we learn in John's Gospel, because of the miracles He performed. 
But how many of those followed Him lastingly? How many of those followed Him lastingly? They followed Him, friends, as we learn throughout the rest of the Gospels and and here in Matthew's Gospel. They followed Him to see what was next. They wanted to see what would happen. They followed Him to see, we might see, the spectacle. This new thing that they had never heard of. They want to hear more of that, sure. They would never heard things like that before. They followed Him, friends, to see what was next. But they did not obey. They did not repent. They did not believe unto salvation. Friends, it's possible for multitudes of people to admire and be amazed at good preaching. This is perfect preaching. People were amazed and astonished. Well, think of good preaching. People can be astonished and amazed at good preaching and yet remain in ignorance and unbelief. To be amazed and astonished and yet not sanctified. What is it that turns the heart of a sinner? It's the Holy Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit turns the heart, not one will obey even the greatest preacher and prophet and king and priest. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. Not one will believe and turn unto Him. The most overpowering authority produces no obedience unless the Holy Spirit, who is sent by the Father and the Son, unless the Holy Spirit subdues the heart of the hearer. And it is that preacher, Jesus Christ, who comes to us, preaches His Word every Lord's Day through instruments as pastors, preachers. And Jesus, who spoke with such authority in that day, the Sermon on the Mountain, is the same that will judge you on the last day. All these things, something to think about, right? John 12. And if any man hear My words and believe not... I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. That which they were astonished about, that will be the judge. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. I know that His commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. There are many at times who who come up to say, wonderful sermon, Pastor. Thank you for the sermon. And the question for you then is, what has come about from that? From your hearing it? What has come about in your life because of you hearing from Jesus Christ? If it's true, then it's from Jesus Christ. If it's from His Word, then it's from Jesus Christ. Not from me or any other preacher. What in your life has changed because of your hearing it? Because you sinner, you come turn. You're to turn from your sins today to Christ and follow Him. Not follow Him because you're amazed at Him or astonished. Standing in awe of it. We don't follow Him because of that. But follow Him standing amazed with faith. Standing amazed with faith and obedience as we heard last Lord's Day. To His Word. For the Lord Jesus Christ who is the King has spoken. He has spoken. It's all in the Word. In your Bibles. 
The one who sits on the throne who's now ready or about to be ready to judge the quick and the dead. He's ready. And He's going to judge according to what? His Word, which is that power that comes with all His authority. And so, friends, you're to come and you're to live according to God and the Spirit, turning to Jesus Christ by faith and repentance unto life. And we ask the question, is there fruit then? If you have believed, is there fruit? We heard last Lord's Day. Is there fruit in your life? When you hear these sermons, and you listen uh, to these great sermons, preaching, oh, that really moved me in in my emotions. But what change is there in your life? Jesus is asking you. Plead that the Lord by the Spirit, by His grace, would so produce fruits in you, good works, Christians, that you would not be found dead in your trespasses and sins. As James said, uh, having no good works, dead, dead works. Pleading. You do not want to be one of those on the last day pleading that the mountains would fall upon you. Or rather, plead that you would stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ on that day. And that means today, turning to Him in faith. Believing, trusting Him for your life. And being moved to good works by His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, thank You for Your Word once again. We're thankful for the authority that You so preach to us and proclaim unto us with power. We're thankful that in Your authority of Your preaching there is love and grace. And Father, how gracious You are to freely offer us the good news of the Gospel. As we are sinners, You offer Yourself Jesus, You offer Yourself on the cross to satisfy, to be condemned in our place. And so justify us by faith alone. And we pray that if we would have that faith, and that we pray that we would, by Your Holy Spirit, give us that faith. Father, we pray that that faith would not be alone, but that You produce good works, fruit in our lives. Now when we come before the great judgment seat as You sit in full authority and power, judging according to Your Word, we would be able to honestly say it is only for the righteousness of Christ. And so receive us. We're thankful for Your Word, Father, as given by the Son and helped, uh, worked in us by Your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.